first traveled to California, uh, I did it by car. My sermon will not be as long as that cross-country trip. Uh, Close? Not even close. Uh, Besides the beautiful scenery of open highway uh, and the persistent wondering about how big Texas truly is, (laughs) I was struck by the abundance of bumper stickers that decorate our cars. These little additions can range from pithy political pokes, like the one that adorns our favorite music stand, to more feel-good exhortations. They can be one word or even an image or logo like the one on the back of my car that promotes my favorite barbershop back home in Columbus. It doesn't do much good here in Santa Barbara, (laughs) but it reminds me of home all the same. Recently, I ran across an op-ed in the New York Times uh, by author, columnist, and writing professor Brian Morton. In the article, Morton discusses one of the most common genres of bumper sticker we encounter, the deep quote, or rather, uh, in this case, the misquote. Morton goes through debunking some of the most famously misquoted literature ever to grace the back end of a motor vehicle. One among the many quotes he corrects is, be the change you wish, you wish to see in the world, which is often attributed to Gandhi. Morton writes, the closest verifiable remark we have from Gandhi is this. If we could change ourselves, the tendencies of the world would also change. As a man changes his own nature, so does the attitude of the world change towards him. We need not wait to see what others do. This course correction is at the heart of our gospel this morning. Jesus goes up the Mount of Transfiguration, bringing his three closest disciples who witness his changing. Peter, James, and John are struck dumb, by what they witness, and the best any of them can come up with is building a hutch for these spirits, those of Elijah, Moses, and Jesus to dwell. They try to condense spirit into a bumper sticker rather than inviting spirit to change their nature also. The Spirit moved upon me earlier this week by way of Kathy Moore. We read this passage, uh, we read this passage together, and at the end, she asked a very poignant question. Where is the liberation in this passage? I think it is easy to read the choice to bring Peter, James, and John to witness the transfiguration as an affirmation of patriarchy and nepotism. These men are not only men, they are Jesus' closest companions. Prior to following Jesus, they ran a successful small business as partners in a family-owned fishing company. They were comfortable. They are privileged. However, before we rush to judgment, I believe we can be a bit more generous. I think we can sidestep the instinct to condense this rich moment into a bumper sticker and read something larger happening here. 
the company of Jesus Christ, uh, the company of Jesus, Christ's presence in our lives and in this world, in, in this world, is not an affirmation that things ought to stay as they are. It is not an invitation to remain comfortable. It is an exhortation to change. It is an invitation to become the version of ourselves that is the most helpful to the most vulnerable. To transform our natures to look something like the loving, liberating, and life-giving presence of the one who we follow in this movement. God's kingdom comes and God's will is done when privileged people are willing to get uncomfortable, to deny themselves and to use their privilege, not in service of themselves, but in service to others. Being a part of the Jesus movement means being a good ally. Last week was the last week of Black History Month. As I celebrated the contribution of liberated people to this country, and many of us young folks put Solange Knowles' new album on repeat um, <laughs> and watched the accompanying visual album, uh, my joy was dampened by the news that our siblings in Christ in the United Methodist Church made the unfortunate decision not to affirm the love and dignity of the LGBTQ community. Our friends made the decision not to change. Our friends made the decision that they would not be living vessels for the spirit, but rather they would build a small container. Our friends decided to make bumper stickers rather than movements and to make enemies rather than become allies. In moments like these, it is our responsibility to live fully into our calling to affirm the dignity of every human being and to welcome the spirit to transform us. For it is in changing our nature that we change the world. It is by becoming an ally, fighting for justice and welcoming the stranger that we move beyond bumper stickers and follow Jesus. My sermon originally ended here, <laughs> um, but as I was moving about this morning, um, one of my favorite quotes from all of Toni Morrison uh, struck me, and it's actually from her nonfiction, although I'm a huge reader of her fiction. Um, she writes in an essay called Home, which, she, which was republished in, in her most recent book, um, but I like this original version more. Um, she writes, if I had to live in a racial house, it was important at the least to rebuild it so that it was not a windowless, it was important at least to rebuild it so that it was not a windowless prison into which I was forced. A thick walled impenetrable container from which no cry could be heard but rather an open house, grounded yet generous in its supply of windows and doors. Or at the most, it became imperative for me to transform this house completely. We are the vessels of spirit. We are the allies to God's people. 
we are exhorted to transform ourselves and to invite spirit to transform us, that we might be uh, grounded but generous in our doors and windows, that we, might, that we might welcome all those who come to our doors. And it is my prayer uh, that we continue at St. Michael's to be the allies that God has called us to be. Amen.